G'day everyone, welcome to Finding Space. I'm your host, Alex Tyson. Guys, we have a giveaway on at the moment. Follow us on Instagram, like the giveaway post, and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen on, and go in the draw to win a pair of Sony XM4 headphones. It's a pretty good deal. They're bloody awesome headphones. And when you follow us on Instagram as well, you'll get access to behind the scenes footage, some fun finding space info. And I'm also asking for questions for the upcoming guests I have on the podcast. So you get to ask them some burning questions that you might have. To go to our Instagram, it's finding.space.podcast. And uh, like the giveaway post, subscribe to the podcast and you'll go in the draw to win some awesome headphones. So check it out. This podcast is coming out around the time of International Men's Day. And today's interview is really fitting for that, actually. From my experience being a roughly 30-year-old man in the modern world, International Men's Day is really important. Well, that's for men's health, men's mental health, emotional health, just looking after men and supporting men in a time where more is being drawn from men than ever before to hold space, to look after their family, their relationships, their partners, their friends, to be successful in business and create the world that they want to create. There's so many moving pieces for men right now. And so today's interview is really fitting for International Men's Day. Today, I'm speaking with Tully O'Connor. Tully O'Connor works as a leader in the space of supporting men through the challenges of modern life. Working to guide men to personal freedom, confident leadership, and to thriving relationships. Tully runs a podcast called Thriving in Fatherhood and runs retreats for men in the Sunshine Coast, Australia, to help men through different stages of their life and find community and strength together. In today's interview, we unpack the challenges men face in today's age when moving into adulthood or moving into fatherhood, the traditional relationship roles, the tools men can apply in challenging situations, the willingness to ask for help, the elements of rites of passage during specific milestones in life, and we talked about the importance of talking to others about the challenges we face. And so I give you Tully O'Connor. Tully O'Connor, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Yeah, man, I'm stoked to be here. I'm excited to, to dive in. Yeah, it's a nice location too. Usually this is over Zoom, but you were nearby. Mm. Here we are in the yurt. Five, five minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> uh, all things happen for a reason, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man. yeah, Man, getting straight into it, I'm about to be a dad. I've got friends who have just become a dad or are soon to be a dad as well. Mm-hmm. And it's become clear to me that there is a lack of support for people in that space. Yeah. And then you dive into it further and you realize there's a lack of support for men. Mm. <laughs> like it just kind of got me wondering, I guess, like how did we get to this space? Mm. You know, there's there's a lot of support for for women out there and for mothers out there. It's um, You still have to go and find it, but it's there. Whereas for men, I felt like you kind of had to dig, yeah, you know, to find someone like yourself mm. in this space. Like, like, how do we get here? Yeah, how do we get to this point of there being a real lack of support for for men as they go through these rites of passage? 
Yeah, good question, man. The rite of passage into fatherhood specifically, I feel like there probably hasn't been that support the whole time. But what's happened is how challenging that transition is has deepened. Mm -hmm. As the pace of life expands, you know, financial pressures expand, the, the demands placed on fathers and mothers, but we'll speak to fathers in this conversation, the demands have grown, but the support hasn't. So now it feels like there's a lack of support, whereas I don't think the support's gone away anywhere. I just feel like the demands have expanded, you know, where we're expected to fill so many roles and we don't necessarily have the guidance, skill set and support to fill those roles. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody rocking up at a job and just saying, yeah, cool, go do your job. And they're like, (laughs) hang on, wait, what's my job role? What am I even doing here? What am I... You know, and it's like, yeah. just do your job. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what? And then just fumbling our way forwards, figuring it out. And, and yeah, sometimes you might, you know, might have some, some good guidance around you, but on the whole, not really, especially because a lot of people these days maybe want to do things differently than how it was done when they were kids, right? Um, and without any support, it can, it can be quite isolating. Yeah. And guys, we typically tend to just lone wolf it. You know, we want to be the guy that can get it done. Mm. Right. So we don't want to put our hand up and be like, yo, I'm struggling here. Mm. So we just suck it up and, and, and push forward, Mm. you know? So yeah, it's definitely like, it's a huge thing. There are lots of different factors. Um, but I feel like those are a couple. Yeah. That analogy, go like rock up for your first day of the job. Cool. Go and do your job now. And be excellent at it (laughs) yeah. because that's the pressure that we put on ourselves, right? Yeah. I need to be a dad. I need to be a business owner. I need to be fit and look after myself. I need to support my wife or my partner. I need to bring money in. Mm -hmm. I need to have this house or wherever we live. Like I need to provide that. Yeah. And I have to do all of that excellently. Yep. Right? Yeah, 100%. And it's self-imposed. And it's especially in the birth space, it's like men have not been in that space. Like that's new. Mm. Like birthing at home is like, again, it's not new, but men supporting in that role, like we don't have the, like that was midwife support, almost like women's business. So to have partners and men in that space is, is new. We don't have a primal imprint for that. And so it's like there's this expectation yet to show up and support and, and yet with what skill set, with what backing, you know, we're still carrying our own trauma and our own stuff from our life and it's like, cool. And then you're expected to be self-imposed and, and externally, yeah, be amazing at it all. And it's, it's one of those things where um, I feel like back in the day there were those defined roles, do you know what I mean? Right. Breadwinner, homemaker, right? And obviously there are exceptions to that rule and um, – that way of doing things has a lot of limitations, right? Because it's putting people in boxes they might not want to be in and, and all of that. But at least there were defined, at least there were roles. Whereas now it's kind of like, what the what what is the role? Like, what oh, am I supposed to do it all? Like, or how do I do it? Or how do we split? Like, and it gets confusing. Mm. Are these are the kind of things that you see coming up during these this rite of passage into fatherhood or... Uh, or maybe that's another conversation, but th- I'm sure there are other rites of passages for men later in life. Yeah. Um, but are these the kind of themes that you see coming up? Like there's just all this stuff up in the air with no clarity on yeah. where to go. It's, what to it's do. 
pure overwhelm. Mm. Yeah, I, it's just overwhelm because life's already busy for people pre-children and then you add that and it doesn't get less busy. So people are already maxed out at capacity a lot of the time just in relationship. You know, relationships have challenges and, and, and can be hard to navigate. Then you throw another human in the mix and it's just like guys are just maxed out and they don't have the capacity or the support to metabolize that extra stress. So they just go into their survival response, which for a lot of guys is shut down and withdrawal or it's people please and, and make sure everybody else's needs are looked after and self-sacrificing, which is an awesome strategy for maybe a month <laughs> until you <laughs> right. burn, you know, if you want any yeah. sort of longevity, that doesn't work. Mm. Um, and so guys are just, yeah, they, they're redlining. Their nervous system is redlining. Mm. And they don't have the skills, the tools, or the support to be able to even recognize that's what's happening. Mm. They're just they're just like, okay, I'll just work harder. I'll just try harder. I'll just do more. Do more. Yeah. yeah. And then it just it doesn't work. And then yeah, that's the biggest thing. And and the where it uh, surfaces the most from my personal experience and from what I've seen in guys that I've worked with is through the relationship. Mm. I find often sometimes guys can maybe have trouble connecting with baby mm. depending on how present they got to be through the pregnancy and through the birth and, and how much time they got to have often form that connection because mm. um, for us that requires time. Mm. For women there are biological triggers that cause brain changes for bonding and all yep. of that whereas men the same, a lot of not the same but similar changes can take place but the triggers are environmental. So if we don't, if we're not reading books to baby while they're in the womb, if we're not having that connection, mm. and we're not, you know, present at the birth and have that time post birth, in those early stages, if we don't have that present time, we don't have those same brain changes. So bonding can be harder mm. with the baby. But to be honest, with the guys that I've been seeing, that bond with baby is pretty good. Mm. The challenges are showing up in the relationship, right? And, and that seems to be the, the crucible. And the stats aren't great. Like the, from the last I saw, the Gottman Institute, they do a lot of research on this. And um, I think it's 70, above 70% of people report significant reduction in relationship satisfaction in the first three years of having first child. Mm. Oh, that's wild. And and I don't know the exact stats around separation and all of that, but they're not looking amazing mm. either. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's it really starts to show up in that arena. Do you believe that's a symptom of men not having the tools to be able to deal with what happens during this time? Yeah. And then those challenges showing up in the relationship? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like all of these things, there's a, a number of mm. factors the first thing is what we spoke about before, just that overwhelm of stress and not being able to metab metabolize it. Like if you're stressed and in that fight or flight, you're not going to be a present open-hearted partner yeah. <laughs> yeah. for starters. And then it's a lack of guidance around how th different things are going to be, Yeah. right? It's, it's the shift is so big and a lot of people, whether they realize it or not, are quite codependent in their relating mm. And it's just the way we're kind of set up. We're quite like nuclear families. We're in our little bubbles in our mm. relationship mm. and that's awesome. But then when you have a baby, guess what? All of that beautiful feminine nurturing 
juice and loving that we're getting, we get from our partners, guess where that goes? Mm. That goes to the baby mm. physically, mm. mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Mm. It's pretty much all redirected there as it should be, especially for those early months, yeah, years. Months, yeah, yeah. But if that's, if our relationship was our only source of that intimacy and our only source of that connection, and then that's no longer available for us, mm. it's like not, you know, we have a source of nourishment through that intimacy and that connection with our partner and then that nourishment's taken away, right? Right. And so that resentment starts to build. And again, some of this isn't conscious. Mm. It's just like that disconnect is there. Um, resentment starts to build and, and that to me is the, the biggest thorn in the side of relationships mm. post-baby is lack of awareness around that. Mm. Um because it shows up in whatever way it shows up and it's like the issue is rarely the issue. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a like, symptom. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's a symptom of the fact that and it, this isn't to place any judgment but like we, yeah, that, that codependency in relating, men, like we don't get that intimacy on the whole from other relationships. Do you know what I mean? If you th- talk about guys getting intimacy and their needs for intimacy met from other guys, it's like... You know, the level of low-grade or high-grade homophobia in our culture, the level of like depth in male relationships has a lot to be desired, Yeah. right? And because we're not getting that depth and that connection elsewhere, we need that. That's a human need, that connection. And if we only get that from our partner and then that gets taken away, we're in a pretty tricky spot. Mm, Things start to go wrong. Yeah. 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 It's – it reveals – (laughs) <laughs> stuff, you know, it reveals what's already there. Mm, mm. Like I find birth is amazing for that and, and just that transition in general. I look at it, it's like a magnifying glass. It doesn't create any new issues. It mm. just reveals mm-hmm. what's already there. It's like if if we can't communicate very well but we're just getting by, that lack of communication is going to be revealed <laughs> when we become parents, right? If I don't trust my body, if my health isn't in line, if, if all of the whatever's there, it will, it's the ultimate litmus test. Man, you know, sometimes through my journey, people ask me like, oh, are you excited to be a dad? And my response is like, I'm already a dad. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that, uh, that energetic transition, whatever you call it, like that's begun. Yeah. <laughs> that happened months ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's exactly that, you know, we're talking just off air, like going through this process and like checking in with your partner mm. as often as you can, like what's coming up for you, you know? Yeah. And it might be to do with the birth or it might be to do with postpartum or it might be to do with a relationship or it might yeah. be to do with something not even between you two but something else that's going on mm-hmm. in your partner's life or whatever. It just brings this stuff to the surface, yeah. you know? And in some ways it kind of, it brings it to the surface so you can transmute it, so you can let it go or yeah. so you can work through it, yeah. you know, and, and be stronger for that. Yeah. You know, and I think on a very energetic level, like these things happen to make you into what you need to be when a baby arrives. 100%. You know? Yeah. And I suspect that that journey won't stop once baby arrives. (laughs) It'll start. (laughs) Birth is the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very much the beginning. And like you say, when you're sensitive and you're intentional, um, it starts early on. Mm. And and that whole question, when do you become a dad? And you hear different things. Oh, it's once the baby's in your arms, then you really feel it. Or right. once you've conceived. And 
you know, you could argue it a million different ways. I'm sure you were making decisions before you guys had even conceived with your baby in mind. Mm. You know, so were you a dad then? Mm. You know, and, and mm. it's like, when does it actually start? It's mm. like this this period. Because, yeah, you can have a baby without becoming a father, you know. You can get someone pregnant. Does that mean you're a father? Like, you know, it's, yep. it's a very grey thing so, that we could get quite philosophical about, yes. yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and it's like the earlier, in my opinion, you know, my humble opinion of the father of a two-and-a-half-year-old who's figuring <laughs> out as I, as I go along is – it, it becomes a choice. And if we choose to view it through the lens as, oh, these challenges will help us grow into who we're becoming, mm. parenthood's a very different experience. Mm. If we view it through the lens of I'm just going to hold on and I hope things kind of go back to the way they were before a baby, you are going to hurt. That's suffering. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so leaning into those challenges and viewing it through the lens of growth like that growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, mm. that to me is the core determinant because you're going to get put through it no matter what. Mm. But if you've got that growth mindset, everything is figure outable. Mm. If you get if you're looking at through that lens mm. of okay, what's here for me? Mm. It's a lesson of life. Everything's a gift if we choose to see it. Yeah, you know, regardless of what's going on. Yeah, people dying, things falling apart, things yeah. breaking, things not working. Yeah. Um, it's to make us stronger. There's a lesson in it all. Yeah. Don't even try and figure out what the lesson is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> just be present, do your best, and work through it. Yeah. You know, and know that it's happening to, you know, help you. Yeah. Yeah. Easier said than done. Sometimes. Oh my god, <laughs> so much easier said than done. It's like the best theory ever. And then when you're in it, you're yeah. like, no. Yeah, yeah exactly. This <laughs> just, sucks. just let it be easy. <laughs> um, but it's kind of the other thing that just popped up for me then is having that mindset and if you don't already have that mindset learning to practice that mindset because mm. it is a practice and then have the support in place cuz i also see guys like okay i'm going to read this book and i'm going to do this and i'm i'm still going to try and figure it out on my own and i'm still going to try and do it on my own but with all this growth with all this learning with all this new information and that is a trap as well mm. so it's yeah the especially early days, that that energy does get redirected to baby and mother, like mother baby, they're mm. one unit. You know, even once baby's born, it, it, it takes months for the baby to even recognize that it's separate from mum, from mom, yeah. right? Like that mother baby unit is the priority. And I see you guys take that on and they're like, cool, okay, I can self-sacrifice. Awesome. There's a time and place for doing that temporarily. But I pose the question to guys that are going through this is, awesome, you're going to be providing for that mother-baby unit, you know, and you're not asking for your needs to be met from that unit, but you've still got needs. You're still a human being. Mm. So the question becomes, what support do I need so I can show up mm. for mum and bub? Mm. And where is that support going to come? Mm. From a mate, from a counsellor, from somebody who's preparing meals for mm. us. From, yeah. Like where is what support do I need so I can show up? Without burning out. And is that like a actually sit down and write out 100%. what you think you need for your needs to be met? Yeah. 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 And and it can look through and getting support with that. If you've got a doula or mm. if you've got friends that have been through it, like what do you wish, you know, this can just be conversations, you know, it doesn't have to be in the form of formal support. Mm. And if you've got stuff, because if you haven't worked through your stuff, so to speak, mm. birth and parenting will bring it up real 
fast. Right. And getting support to work through that, mm-hmm. your own conditioning, your own wounding, your own stuff that you've got with your parents that's unconscious, mm-hmm. getting support, counselling, coaching, psychotherapy, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. that's not um, – they aren't resources we go to if something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Just like we need to eat healthy food to be healthy. We need support working through all of that stuff to be healthy emotionally and spiritually. Yeah. And again, just normalizing that as much as we can. It's like, oh, I'm not seeing a counselor or I don't get a coach because I was struggling. I got a coach because like I'm a human. Humans need support, right? right? Mm. Um, and just get owning that because mm. um, it's so hard, man. The conditioning runs so deep. Mm. Like I'm speaking this and I still resist and I've got an incredible network of support mm. And something will be going on and there'll be a little voice being like, oh, it's not worth it. Don't worry about sending the message. You've, you've got it. You, you know the answer. You're going to figure it out. Don't worry about it. Mm. Like so that conditioning runs so deep. Mm. So acknowledging that and don't <laughs> think just because you've got a little bit of awareness that you you <laughs> can outsmart that, it'll, right. it'll get the better of us. It's mm. sneaky. Mm. And so just leaning into that support as a practice, mm. yeah, is, is paramount. I think, uh, I think it's worth saying that. Doing that isn't losing, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not. You, 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 yeah, you haven't lost. You, you're not giving up. You know. Yeah. You're actually taking a really positive step forward. Yeah. To yeah. do something like that, to talk to a counselor or, or talk yeah. to a mate, you know, yeah. reach out exactly from an authentic place and say, "Dude, can we just like have a chat? Yeah. Can we just talk? Yeah. You know, go for a walk or something." Yeah. Whatever that might be. And a lot of time that you don't need advice. You just need to be heard. This is what's going on. Mm. This is hard. This is challenging. Mm. And then it's just, yep, fair enough. Cool. That's half of the work done. Yeah. You know? And then you might need some guidance around some specific things sometimes. In my experience, less less so than mm. than than it actually is the case. Mm. Um, just to be heard and seen mm. and normalize the challenge. That's the biggest one. Because if you don't do that, you think you're going through it alone and you're not. Trust me, any, anybody listening to this, like you, we think our challenges are so unique and they're just mm. not. Mm. They might, the specifics of them might look different, but the, the core of them, part of the human experience. Man, it's exactly the same in like I do, I have some business mentors that I work with uh, and like communities of other business owners Man, every time I go there, literally, I said this yesterday. I was like, this is like therapy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because it actually yes. is. Yes. You know, because you talk to these other business owners and you realize, oh, fuck, they got the same problem I have. Oh, it's not just me. And it dissolves. Yeah, exactly. And oh, look at how they worked through that. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's no different. Yeah. You know, to be talking about these kind of things, man, I'm feeling really overwhelmed because my partner is pregnant and we're having yeah, a baby yeah. coming and it's just like there's yeah. all this stuff going on. You know, oh yeah, I, I went through that too. Yeah. You know, this is kind of how it played out. That's mm-hmm. what happened. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's why like 95% of the work I do now is group work. Mm-hmm. Like I don't do much one-on-one work anymore mm-hmm. because the power of the group is significantly more than anything I can provide as one individual. Because you get a group of men together and be like, this is happening in my relationship. This is really hard. Stop that, man. I, anybody else experiencing that or has experienced that, every single hand goes up. Yep. Next challenge, same again. Every single hand goes up. Half an hour later, it's just like, oh, <laughs> sweet. There's actually nothing wrong. Yeah. 
like, yes, there's challenges, but it's what we make those challenges mean mm. about life and about ourselves more specifically. I'm wrong. I'm not being a good dad. I'm not being a good partner. I, like and when we can just let that dissolve by being seen in it and understand that it's normal, mm. it's half the battle. And you cannot do that in isolation. You can read all the books. You can read all the parenting books in the world. You still cannot get that. And then that's where that vulnerability comes in. Well, it's, and again, vulnerability, it's more just honesty. Mm. It's just being honest. Like, yes, this is hard. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. yeah. This sucks. Yeah. 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 Oh, this actually sucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. This And it's and he, like to take it a layer deeper, it gets heavy and hard at times, you know, there's times where you have thoughts, you know, the monkey mind can play tricks. When you're sleep deprived, when you're tired, you can be like, whoa, do I, I don't really like my partner right now. I don't really like my child right now. And then it's like, what, how can I say I don't like this innocent being? Mm. You know, there's just a bundle of love. It's like, oh, I'm resenting my baby right now. I'm, you know, you have, and I've had enough raw conversations with enough men now to know that even that, is pretty universal experience. Mm. Thoughts about like, well, what would co-parenting look like? You know, like, can I I eject here? Like, what would that look like? Having those thoughts Mm. uh, is normal. But if you didn't know that and you have those thoughts, you're like, oh my God. The guilt. Oh, exactly. (laughs) And then what happens with that guilt? We internalize that. We feel bad about that. And the self-sabotage and the shame spiral continues, Mm. you know, and then we would just spiral and that's, you know, Yeah, it's that's how men end up thinking their family is better off without them. Mm. You know, if we want to go the pendulum swing to that full end of the spectrum. Mm. So you look at mental health, you look at suicide rates of young men, like a lot of those young men are dads. And mm. it's like what needs to happen for a man to get to the point where he thinks their family is better off without him. Mm. And it's these little things that stack and build over time. Yeah, And so it's being proactive with it is – to me, it's just such an important part of it. Because once you get in it, I don't know if you've had these experiences where you get flat or you get really down. When you're really in it, it's hard mm. to put your hand up. And so flexing the muscle of putting your hand up early mm. before it's too heavy, mm. that to me is, is yeah, a really important part That's some really good insight all. actually. Yeah, I really like that. To your point, Bill Burr and his latest um, comedy special, um, he, may, he, he says some common is like, oh, you know, um, it was about that time, you know, once every month where I, I look at my wife and I think, you know, if I, if you just weren't in my life, I think my life would be better. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. It's something like that. I can't, yeah. I haven't got the exact words. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it was just like acknowledging like that that's a natural thing to think. Yeah. That doesn't mean he doesn't love his wife. That doesn't yep. mean that he wants to be with anyone else. Yeah. But it's just this, it's, it's this part of the ego, like this separation yep. and, you know, yeah, that, those thoughts. Yeah, and acknowledging those is, I think, healthy. Yeah, you know, instead of pretending like they're not there. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like seeing, like having enough awareness to have that space from them, mm. so you're not like, oh, I'm thinking this. It's yeah. like no part of you is thinking that, mm. right? And then being able to voice it or write it down if you journal, because for me, the key with all of that is creating space so we can see it for what it is. Mm. And there's awareness first then for me, either speaking it or writing it down, you create even more space. And then having that witnessed by others and normalized dissolves it. And it's like, at least start the first one, at least start writing it down, at least start being with it. But yeah, to really, 
And it's amazing what starts to happen. You're just like, oh, when those things then pop up again, those thoughts, those challenges, you automatically feel lighter around it because you know what your mates or your men's circle or your coach or whatever, you know what they're going to say. They're going to be like, yep, normal, me too, Mm -hmm. right? And you have that experience enough. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've experienced it with like your business Mm -hmm. support. It's the same. Um, Yeah, it just starts to normalize it in our system, normalize those challenges Mm. um, in our system. And yeah, like going back to what you said about getting that support, not meaning that you've lost. I like to view fatherhood, parenthood in general, but but fatherhood as if it's a sport and you want to be like a high performer. Mm. Name me one athlete who got to the top of their game or who even was good, who didn't have coaches mm. and support the whole time. Mm. You know, to think we can do it without that is ridiculous. Mm. You know, but for some reason we do. Mm. It's like, oh, I need support with my finances. Probably going to get an accountant. Mm. Yeah, cool. I need some support with business. Probably going to get a business coach. Need some support with my nutrition. Might go speak to a nutritionist. Need some support with my experience of fatherhood or my relationship. I'm probably just going to sit on that one. <laughs> I'm probably just going to figure that one out on my own, you know, because it's the most important part of my life. Why would I get support around it? Like it's, I don't know, I, I guess because it's vulnerable, guys resist it. But when you actually start to see it for what it is, it's quite. It's crazy to think about it like that. It's crazy, man. Like what is the conditioning that's gotten us to, to think in that way? Mm. Like like what is it that in that moment we think, oh, yeah, I, I can handle this? yeah. I think there's a few things. Our individual conditioning around relationship and what we saw modelled for us. Mm. And more often than not, we either saw no fighting or disagreements because it all happened behind the scenes. So our view of parenthood, if our parents are together and that is a successful relationship for us, which for many people it isn't, but if it is, we unconsciously if we didn't see any conflict, then unconsciously our map of relationships is good relationships don't have conflict. Mm, it's like a utopia yep, vision. Yeah, yep. yep. and then Hollywood and, and Instagram and all of that reinforces that belief we already have deep down based on what we downloaded, so to mm. speak, from our parents. Mm. Um, and so our conditioning around relationship often isn't um, necessarily the, I guess, the most... Um, conducive to building a thriving relationship in this Mm. day and age. Mm. And then you combine that just with our cultural, everybody's got their highlight reel (laughs) on the front. So we're comparing to that, right? And so there's that. And then there's just the, yeah, it it might be there for women as well, but especially for men, that lone wolf, Mm. like have your, if you're a man, if you have your shit sorted out, Mm. right? And why don't you have it sorted out right now? yeah. And so it's like that that willingness to put a hand up and be like, I'm struggling at being a partner mm. <laughs> right now. Mm. Or I'm, yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, there's just a deep resistance to it because of what we make that mean. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it runs deep. Yeah, it runs really deep. And that's why it's, you know, there's been talk around mental health and mental health for men specifically Mm. for years and years and years and years and years Mm. now. You know, that conversation isn't new, Mm. but the progress is slow Mm. because of how like multifactorial and how deep it runs. Mm. And, 
until we're willing to go to the root of the issue, like that conditioning, because it's, it's called mental health, but really it's emotional health, Yeah. right? How we be with emotion and metabolize emotion or not, you know, that has huge impacts on us physically and relationally. Mm. Um, and I feel like a lack of awareness of what's actually going on for us means we make it, it mean that there's something wrong with us when all these things are present. Mm. And that causes the resistance to, mm. to reach out for help or support. This episode is brought to you by Found Space, Australia and New Zealand's premium infrared sauna company. Ready to sauna? Ready to take your health to a higher level? Make your home a place of wellness with Found Space. Visit foundspace.com.au or foundspace.co.nz to learn more. Man, let's back up a sec. So my, my dad had his first child and he was 21. And I think about that now and I think, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. You know, I'm 29 and feeling like it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you asked me even 18 months ago, I would have said, I'm not too sure yet. Yep. You know, if you asked me five years ago, I, was, I would have just laughed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, but are you, do you think that perhaps, although that's still very early in that journey and journey into fatherhood, that perhaps, I mean, that was 60 years ago. Mm. You know, you said at the start that it was a different world back then. Mm. Do you think that these challenges would have still been coming up, perhaps not as much in that space? Yeah, good question. I feel like it was simpler, not necessarily easier. And the challenges would have been different. Um, and this is me speaking from, to be honest, assumptions. <laughs> yeah. Like, but I feel like things were simpler. And this is something my I've spoken to my parents about. It's like there were lots of challenges, but it was simpler. Mm. Like, not only did social media not exist, like phones yeah. didn't exist. Do you know what I mean? Hallelujah. Like, it was simpler, but it was like, it was hard. It was still hard. So the challenges were just like different. Mm. And I feel like, Things have shifted in in terms of um, what needs providing. You know, like our dads were maybe like, okay, I'm having a child, what do I need to do? Provide a roof over our head, make sure they're fed. Like that's what I'm going to do and I'm going to go and do it, right? And my dad, for example, he came from quite a poor family and worked his ass off so that wasn't our experience mm. growing up. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And so I feel like, yeah, it would have just been different then. Um, whereas now I feel like the challenges are more emotional and spiritual Mm. that actually express as mental and physical Mm. issues. Mm. But, you know, now what's being asked of men is how do you provide a safe space emotionally (laughs) for your child and for your partner? Yeah. And that's a question most guys are like, what do you, what does that even mean? (laughs) Do you know? (laughs) Yeah. And that requires yeah, doing that inner work and exploring our own emotional landscape, mm. which is foreign and hard and scary and like, but it's what's being called from us. Mm. You know, our partners are desiring that, our kids are desiring that. So it's, yeah, I feel like they would have definitely had their own challenges and it comparison silly at the best of times. Mm. But it's, um, I feel like there can be judgment of previous generations because mm. they maybe didn't have the same level of emotional awareness or whatever. And they were still fighting their own battles. Mm. 
Do you know what I mean? And they were still breaking generational cycles but in their own way. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. And like, yeah, and I, I, may, I definitely used to have, like I longed for more maybe emotional and spiritual guidance mm. and my dad was breaking cycles in his own way, you know? He came from poverty and then my experience was not even close to that which gave me the platform to then go and explore everything I'm exploring. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's the comparison game is is a tricky one to play mm. at the best of times. Mm. Um, but I think that context is important and helpful. And it's like the the quote from Fight Club, like, um, and I'm going to butcher it, but <laughs> he, he speaks to the fact that, you know, our great war is a spiritual war, mm. you know, and that's like that's I think – there's this resistance to that. I, I didn't, you know, have um, spiritual practices growing up and or anything like that. But I feel like when we can lean into that a little bit mm. and not make it mean anything, especially for guys, there can be a resistance to that, the spiritual, emotional stuff. It's like, oh, that's <laughs> women's stuff. Yeah, yeah. Da, da, da. Like, yeah. And when we can just um, remove the dogma around what it needs to look like, mm opening up to that, I feel like, yeah, just opens up a lot of doors mm. for guys. Mm. What are some of the signs and the, and the tells um, that you see that you you could perhaps share a few for someone who maybe hasn't really thought about what we're talking about right mm -hmm. now but maybe felt it? Like what are some things that come up for people that might suggest that would benefit from talking to someone? yeah. The first one that'll be most obvious is defensiveness and reactivity. Mm. Like if you find yourself getting defensive in your relationship, um, the relationship is normally the catalyst. But if you find yourself getting defensive or reactive, that's a red flag. I was going to say yellow flag, but no, that's a, that's a red flag. That's like especially consistently, mm. that's a, well, I need support. So that, that, that would be the first one. And then any, uh, it depends on people's tendencies. Sometimes it shows up more in heightened anxiety. Sometimes it's more flatness, more depression, mm. that kind of end of the spectrum. And if any of that starts, if you feel you're like you're withdrawing from other friends, mm. from support, if you feel like you're withdrawing, even if you can justify the withdrawal. <laughs> yeah, well, of course you can justify it. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. so that is another one. If like, mm. oh, I'm withdrawing a little bit, that's that's another sign. Um, and then just physical fatigue and burnout. Again, it's a, tr it's a tricky one because you want to normalize the struggle and you don't mm. in terms of like you're going to be sleep deprived. So mm. being tired, it's going to be part of the process mm. and completely burning out. Like common, is it normal? You know, just so so that that physical, if you're physically burning out, mm. that's a sign mm. that that like you're getting nearly beyond the point of like it's gonna be hard to come back from here. Mm. And and yeah, so those would be I'd say would be the three mm. main ones to look out for. But for me, relationships are a gold mine mm. for the mirror of where am I actually at? Mm. How well have I got my shit together right now? Mm -hmm. And if I'm short, defensive and resentful, mm. okay, I need some support. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can start to look at some of the things that you were talking about earlier. Exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's a counselor or just chatting with a mate, yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. 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 Listening exactly. to your podcast. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cause sometimes, and I get guys message me all the time because it's that normalizing it. Mm. Sometimes just listening to two guys, like listening to us talk about it now, like that can be enough. Yeah. That can be like, oh, Okay, normal, yes. cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Deep breath out. Yeah. And then, then then, there's the space for new decisions to be made mm. and there's the space for all of that to, to start to happen. Mm. Um, yeah, but those, the re- relationships are a goldmine. <laughs> <laughs> Man, just uh, recently I was at a um, permaculture course, a permaculture design course, and I hadn't met anyone there, obviously, before. Rocked up, 20 people there. And within two days, it just became so clear to me that actually everyone there was a mirror yes. <laughs> of me. It was so obvious. Yeah, It's like, ah, oh, that's that part of me and that person and yeah. that's that part of me over there. Yeah, It was just so obvious. Um, but sometimes in, in our intimate relationships, that can be forgotten. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> You're like, none of that's just their fault. <laughs> they just need, if they just stopped doing this, oh, my God, life would be so much easier. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, but again, like you said earlier, that space, having that space from those thoughts mm. and then you can just, ah, oh, they're just mirroring that yeah. part of me. Yeah. There's a great book called Love Without Conditions by Paul Farini and he talks um, kind of the Christ teachings yeah. uh, from the point of Jesus, but it's not from a religious dogmatic yeah. point of view. Yeah. Great book and, um, yeah, he says in there like whatever comes up for you in – like your brother or your sister, he mm. calls it, you know, other humans. Yeah. Um, he's like, that is just pinpointing that point in you which yeah. needs healing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know, and although it can be hard to see it like that, mm. um, taking the time to like if something comes up to actually give it some thought, like why has that come up? What yeah. is that showing me about myself that I can actually work on? Yeah. You know, and you realize it's got nothing to do with him. Yeah. You know, and if you work on that, it just won't show up again. Yeah. You know, even like I find the way that like if I bring a certain energy into a day, I get that energy back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And and kids are a ridiculously sensitive mirror for that. Right. Yeah. So there you go. The yeah. pressure cooker. Oh it's- man. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's um because I love that teaching, that philosophy. Mm. Um, are you familiar with John D. Martini? I heard of him. So he speaks to this a lot, like triggers and reflections. And yeah, I find it, that's been one of the most life-changing practices for me. Mm. And it's, it's to, like, to give people some structure if they're listening to that and they're like, yeah, okay, I get that sometimes. But it's like, I've never had that come up with a client, like a trigger, mm. relational trigger, where it hasn't been a perfect reflection for them. Might have taken two weeks to get to the bottom yes. of it, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. it's there. And, and the quickest one to check in with around that is say if a certain behavior is pissing me off, quote unquote triggering me, Mm. it's like, where do I do that behavior? Mm. You know, that's the most obvious one. Mm. The other one can be where have I done that in the past and not made peace with myself about it? Oh, I love that. Right? Yeah. Because if I haven't made peace with, and a good example I like to use is like say bullying. If somebody's bullying someone and that really triggers you and it's like, oi, but you've, you know, bullied someone in the past, even when you were eight, yeah. you know, you were bullying someone and then you feel guilty about that bullying. Haven't forgiven yourself. Yeah, it'll, it'll show up. So it's like, where have I done it or not made peace mm. with myself? Mm. 
And sometimes the third one can be, where do I actually want more of that behavior? Mm. So I find often if people have strong boundaries, a good relationship with the word no, that can be triggering and it can be like, oh, you're selfish because yeah. you're saying no or your boundaries around your time or whatever, when really that's being triggered because you're like you want more of that behavior mm. and mm. you deny it in yourself, therefore, when it shows up in others, it's tr- it's triggering. Yeah. People pleasers get triggered by people with boundaries a lot. Yep. And that's what's happening there. Yeah, like you're suppressing that too much. Exactly. And so it's coming up because yep. you actually want to be able to do it more but you're not allowing yourself. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so those three things to run through I find can be just mm. a quick way to like when a trigger is alive mm. to neutralize it, mm. so to speak. Mm. Yeah, just because say something about your partner is triggering you. To prove that it's actually about you and not them, say if we invited nine other people into the room, <laughs> that behavior wouldn't trigger necessarily nine. It might trigger two others. Mm. So it's like, what's the common denominator? It's not the behavior in and of itself. It's your reaction, your relationship, and your perspective of the behavior. <laughs> That's good. I like that too. Like if you also, if you brought nine other people into the room, how many of them would just think it's completely trivial? Yes. <laughs> how yeah. many of them would be like, no, no, that's your shit, Alex. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nah, Tully, that's, that's you, man. Yeah. <laughs> and it's humbling. Yeah. Like, and that's the reflection I get from a lot of my friends who are also coaches and, mm. and they're just like, man, you're in it. You're, you're creating this mm. suffering. Like mm. you're holding on to it. And I'm like, Oh, I am like because <laughs> yeah. you don't want to hear it, but a lot of the time it's yeah, can be humbling because mm. the trivial, especially the trivial stuff, it's like because the little boy in us gets activated and it's right. like, you know, our wounded little boy there, wounded little girl just mm. fighting, playing out our mm. unmet needs, mm-hmm. right? It's not our adult selves that are in the room having that conversation, it's our conditioning, <laughs> totally. The unconscious programming just playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the other tools to have in our toolkit as we go through these changes? Like nervous system regulation and like breath, breath work, Mm -hmm. being able to breathe, Mm -hmm. being conscious of our breath and being able to use our breath to relax our nervous system. Yeah. And that can be really simple. Like give me some examples. So so nasal breathing, diaphragmatic Mm -hmm. breathing. Yep. So being able because our Mind, body, you know, Western medicine has separated it, mm-hmm. but the two are inextricably linked mm-hmm. and it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. What we think can affect how we feel and how we feel will affect the thoughts that are available to us. So if we're physically breathing in a way, shallow breathing, chest breathing, then that's sending signals to our brain that we're stressed, mm-hmm. right? If our jaw's tight, if we're so understanding our physical body plays such a big part of it and the quickest way to go from stress response to relaxation response is through our breath, Mm. diaphragmatic breathing. So that looks like breathing in through your nose and ensuring that your belly is expanding on that inhale and relaxing it out. Take six of those, your system will be more relaxed Mm. and you'll have more, you'll have better choices available to you. Mm. Right, and sometimes um, so that's that's the quickest one, and and start and just YouTube, YouTube like basic breath work, like yeah. find like it's it's everywhere mm. now. Um, yeah, no, the reason I asked for some specificity there is because uh, it is everywhere yeah. now, but it's so different depending yes. on what you're wanting to do with the breath, yeah. and and so yeah. that's why I want yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. and and um, a quick one 
is like a down-regulating breath because we can certain breath work can be up-regulating, mm. so excite our system or down-regulating, like calm our system. Mm. And so speaking to, you know, what we're talking about, wanting being able to down-regulate our system when we're a bit jacked up is probably the most beneficial one, especially with kids. It's like it's a constant regulation game. And so the simplest way to do that is just make your exhale twice as long as your inhale mm. and breathe in through your nose. So you might breathe in for two. And then out for four. Do that for two minutes. Mm-hmm. Your system will feel drastically different. Do that while you're walking mm. outside in nature. Mm. Your your state will be completely different. Mm. So take the time out. Hit pause mm. and and acknowledge. Whoa, I'm at capacity here. Mm. I need three minutes mm. to go and stand with bare feet on the grass and take some breaths. Yeah. Yeah, like that. Sun on the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it it'll help mm. just regulate us. Like, mm. yeah, that's the most practical stuff. And then taking care of the physical vessel. Mm. You know, if you're dehydrated, you're gonna your body's gonna be physically more stressed. Therefore, you're gonna be mentally more stressed easier. Like, if you're not eating right, like all of these. If you're not moving your body or exercise training in some capacity, it's gonna be hard. Mm. So those basics, like understanding and just owning the fact that like the body is the vessel for me to be a partner, to be a father, to be a provider, my physical body is the vessel for me to do that. Mm. So how I look after that Mm. physical body, that gives me my capacity. Mm. So any practices that you have that, you know, nourish your physical body, prioritize them. And it can look different, especially, you know, early days of parenthood, like time <laughs> scarcity yeah. is legit, right? right? And, and so it might not look like your hour-long gym session, but can it be a 20-minute walk? I fell in love with walking mm. since I became a dad. Like I did that 75 hard challenge. I don't know if you've heard what of that. that. So it's like a, a 75 day challenge where you do two exercise sessions a day that are 45 minutes long. You drink a certain amount of water. It's like, okay. it's gnarly. Right. And I just did it. I just wanted to see if I could do it. Yeah. But one of those exercise sessions every day for me was a power walk. Mm. And I'm like, I actually got more from that than the hard training sessions, <laughs> yeah. right? Because yeah. I was stressed and tired. So if you're smashing your physical system when you're like that, mm. it, it, it may not actually have the same benefits, mm. right? If you're not getting the recovery, if you're not mm. sleeping, don't train super hard. Mm. But walking mm. in nature mm. that you can do with, like that's a game changer. Mm. So that is a practice, which sounds super trivial and simple, <laughs> for me has been the biggest game changer. Mm. Um so yeah, all those basic ones, but the breath and then taking care of the physical and then the practice of either journaling or like a lot of guys can have a resistance to that, but getting your separating yourself from your thoughts and then the practice of sharing that mm. either with your partner or with a mate or whatever it may be. And that doesn't have to be in a formal way. Go for a surf with a mate and, and talk about the challenges of the week. Might be going for a run with whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be like sitting in a circle with other dudes. That's epic Mm. and I encourage that too. But if that's not accessible, Mm. find a way. Yeah. Yeah, it's putting your hand up kind of like we said earlier. Yeah. You know, if something's going on, put your hand up. I need help. Write it down. Yeah. Share it. Yeah. In some way, shape or form. And look at it like a skill. Like this is a practice. This is a skill I'm Mm. building. Mm. feels uncomfortable. I'm not very good at it. I don't really know what to say. Mm. Cool. It's a skill you haven't practiced. Like mm. looking at through the lens of skill acquisition, mm. I find can open a lot of guys up to it. Cause like, cool. I, I, yeah, it yeah, makes exactly. sense. Yeah, you know, yeah, cool. Yeah. I'm going to learn new skills. It's like training for a game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah. Yep. So yeah, so that, that that would be my probably my go-tos. Yeah, cool. Okay. I put out that I was going to be interviewing you and someone sent a question through, which I want to ask you. Mm. Going through this rite of passage into fatherhood, what is one thing that um, the person going through that would benefit from letting go of? Mm. Awesome question. Mm. There's so much. <laughs> <laughs> like just, yeah, oh, there's so much. Mm. Letting go of the lone wolf mentality, mm. letting go of thinking you have to do it on your own, to me would easily be the biggest one because once we do that, we open up to support. Once we've got support, everything is figureoutable. Mm. And you might, it might be clumsy and all of that, but you're on. Mm. So that would be one. The other one would be pain. Like a lot of humans mm. and men specifically carry a lot of pain, a lot of grief, a lot of hurt. Guilt. Yep, guilt, like a lot of stuff. A lot of guys are emotionally constipated. Mm. You know, we're just holding it, holding it. And that reduces our capacity, going back to what we were speaking about before in nervous system regulation, if we are holding liters and liters and liters of suppressed pain and emotion and hurt and trauma, mm. then our capacity is very small to bring on the stress of parenting. Mm. And so letting go, and again, that's easy said than done. This is something that in my experience does need support because even when guys are willing, they're like, cool, I get it. I got to cry. Cool, <laughs> I get it. I've got to let go of this pain. Right. How, the, how do I do that? Yeah. yeah right? But just acknowledging that that's part of the process of becoming healthy <laughs> mm. emotionally, mm. Um, that would be the second one, mm. I would say, being willing to let go of, yeah, the pain and hurt and grief that you might carry and be open to there being more than you think mm. there, mm. right? Because there are things that can happen to us when we're young that our system just takes on. And then as we go through life, we make conscious, um, oh, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Oh, when my parents did this, that sucked. But, oh, they were doing the best they could. So, and we we make up a story to justify us not feeling what we want to feel, mm. right? And a lot of the time this is happening really unconsciously mm. and it's a, a coping strategy that works because it helps us continue to function. Yeah. But it just gets to the point where it was adaptive back then and it becomes maladaptive if we continue to just hold on to it. Mm. It's just like we sprain our ankle, right? We will limp for a little while. That's an adaptive mechanism. Mm. If you limp for the rest of your life, you're going to mess up your hips, mm. your back, and then that becomes maladaptive. Mm. The same thing goes with what we do emotionally. And so just recognizing that and being willing to start to, yeah, excavate that and let that go. Mm. Yeah, and, and that speaking to rites of passage, when there is no formal rite of passage, which across the board there's not, mm. you know, for into manhood, into fatherhood, there's just not. Mm. That's where these things would come up because you would be pushed to your edge in that rite of passage mm. and held by elders and mm. other men who have been through it. And when you're held in those spaces and pushed to your edge, those emotions and that pain, there's space for that to be released and be metabolized and be worked through. And so getting in spaces where you can be held is is that's it's not just going to happen on its own. 
it's again, you can read all the books in the world about emotion. You can do all of that stuff. Mm. You can't do it solo because mm. it's part of it is being witnessed in it mm. as well. And again, that was a big function of a rite of passage, being witnessed in that, in the fears, in the letting go of all of that, and then being witnessed in your greatness mm. and your strength mm. and your gifts and all mm. of that and acknowledged in that as well. Mm. But long answer to a short question, no. <laughs> going back to like to let go of, yeah, that pain or trauma or um, guilt, grief mm. that, that we're carrying, it creates a lot. And you don't need to let go of a lot to create a lot of space. Mm. Like guys might come in for a breathwork session or we're at a retreat and they might have a, a little cry and they just let, let a few tears go and be witnessed in that and they feel like they're new men. The vitality that becomes available when we aren't holding that, it's a hard work to hold and keep all that stuff buried. Um, so, yeah, those those two things, the, the lone wolf mentality and mm. pain. What are some of the elements of a rite of passage you touched on there uh, in terms of being witnessed and getting to our limits? What are some of the elements that I guess if we were to design yeah. a rite of passage for into fatherhood or into manhood. Yeah. What are some of the elements that we would put in there? Yeah, great question. And big shout out to the Rites of Passage Institute and Anna, I think Rubenstein mm. is his last name. Um, they're just down in, in Byron. He does work all over Australia, all over the world. I did their Rites of Passage leadership training and mm. that's where I sort of learnt this structure yeah. because he – They've studied different cultures across the world and because they all have slightly different rites of passage, but there are these things that are present in all of them. Mm. Um, and so to speak to a few of those, there's three kind of phases. There's separation, so separating from your community, mm. um, being sent out into the wilderness or whatever right. it may be, like yeah. separation. And especially from boy to man, it's separation from the mother. Like mm. that is a big part of it, that ceremonial separation because there are a lot of boys in men's bodies that still have these unconscious energetic links to to mum, right? And then that feeds into relationship and whole nother podcast probably. <laughs> yeah. But that separation is the first point. And then there's the transformation. So there's different aspects to the transformation. Part of that is the sharing of stories. And that's a really underestimated part. But just sitting around the fire, sharing stories of um, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a father, sharing stories of challenges about fatherhood. So the sharing of stories, connecting with vision. Mm. Yep, so visioning is often um, a part of that, that visioning process and often like vision quests are, are a really common rite of passage. So connecting with that, acknowledgement of gifts and that's sort of the end of the the transformation phase. Mm. Before that, the one I missed was challenge. Mm. Like there's got to be a pinnacle challenge. And in if you look at like hunter-gatherer tribes, a lot of their challenges were physical and painful mm. because an important part of being a man in that tribe was being able to go and hunt mm. and endure physical mm. pain. And exhaustion. Yep, yeah, yep, fatigue, all of yeah. that. Whereas that although that would be hugely transformational, might not be applicable to the average guy who's becoming a dad, Yeah, yeah. right? But what I find and the challenges that I facilitate in the retreats that I run are more emotional and spiritual, mm-hmm. right? Um, but there needs to be a challenge, like a, a threshold to cross. And then the last part of the transformation is acknowledgement of gifts by the community, the strengths 
And because that is really like that's what you're going to bring back to the community. Mm. It's like your gift of foresight, your gift of communication, your gift of Mm. um, like how are you going to serve, you know, and your vision that you receive combined with the acknowledgement of those gifts normally link up and then it's like, cool, I'm coming back. This is who I am. Mm. This is who I am now. This is what I've let go of and that's a really important part. And then the third phase, so that was all kind of transformation and then the third phase is the return. And so this is returning back to the community and being received by the community as this new version Mm. of yourself. Mm. Um, And this one gets missed. This one is hard to do um, because even, for example, let's just say a guy comes to a retreat and then he comes home and he's like feels different physically he's different he's released trauma he's he's released pain he's got he's clear on his vision but if he's received by his mates or his partner that are still holding him to who he was before yes. how do you think that's going to integrate mm, probably not very well 100% and so that return piece is um the trickiest part mm. of it to be honest and there are ways to do it um but it's just something to think about um, including uh, when you're designing that, even if it's by the family, it's like who who are you now? What do you stand for? What are your intentions? How do you want to show up mm. and being received? Because rites of passage are for the community. They're not for the individual. Like we think because we're so self-oriented in this day and age mm. that we're like, oh, he's going on that rite of passage. It's like, yeah, he is, but it's for the community. Mm. And it's very easy to forget that in this world of self-help and self-development and self, 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 mm-hmm. that it's actually for the community. And when you look at it through that lens, then incorporating, yeah, that that return aspect and, and trying to do that well. But it's hard because what's the community he's returning to? Yeah. If he doesn't have that fabric of community in his life, which lots of people don't, mm. you know? So it's like, yeah, there's... There's lots of work to be done. <laughs> yeah, I really resonate with that because you go away and you do these transformational things and then you come back and it's very jarring Man. because you're a different person yeah. now and those yeah. people aren't and they don't understand what you've been through and it's you just can't this communicate it and then, kind of thing. Yeah, and you don't feel seen so then you judge them because they haven't changed and then it's like this merry-go-round of fuckery and it's just yeah. like, like the world travel. You go traveling for five months and you come back and you're like, you don't, you're not welcome back in. So then you just go traveling again. And, it, mm. you, you know, that not having that return can result a little bit in that Peter Pan syndrome of like never actually integrating the rite of passage and yes. just on the endless quest, mm. you know, like mm. like Joseph Campbell's like, um, oh, I'm blanking on what is the hero's journey. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, you cross the thre- threshold, you slay the dragon, you get the treasure, then you come back across the threshold to give the gifts to the community. Yeah. Like that's an important part of it. Yeah. Whereas we can, without if we don't know these natural cycles, you can kind of just get stuck slaying dragons. Mm-hmm. Or you go back to community and you're like, oh, this is a bit boring. Yeah. And you don't actually integrate anything. So you go back and just try to slay some more dragons. And so, yeah, understanding those fundamentals of the rite of passage, I think um, – mm. Yeah, is is really important. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, how do you you kind of talk to it a bit, but I'm curious, like, how do you think we can improve in that space of of coming back? Because I've experienced it personally. Yeah. I'm sure many people listening have, you know. Yeah. And you come back, and it's all yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. How, how do you get that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if you can get it right, um, but how can you do it 
a bit better. Mm. For me, well, for me as a facilitator, like what I did in my last retreat, for example, is on the very final day, I invited the partners of the men and their kids to come and witness them and there was like a, a ceremony and so they were witnessed in the finishing and the acknowledgement of their mm. rite of passage. Mm. And then they heard us all talking to each other and about each other. So the partners are then part of that experience a little bit. Yeah. So having some sort of ceremony around the completion of the rite of passage can be really powerful. If that's not available, taking responsibility for organizing your own return, mm. right? Mm. And so that can look like inviting your nearest and dearest. And it might look like, because you, you you would only want to do this with like your values aligned crew, right? So that might be your partner and two mates. Yep. You know, it might be your parents may be there. Your parents may not be there if you know what I mean. Like, so that can look however you it needs to look in that respect. But then- inviting people in and it might be just having a dinner mm. and you sharing stories mm. about your rite of passage. Mm. Yep, sharing stories, sharing what what did you let go of? What vision um, have you connected with? What clarity do you have? What qualities are you committed to embodying in this next phase mm. of life that you are transitioning into mm. um, so that you can be held to that, you know, lovingly, not... Mm. In a way that's like, oi. Yeah, yeah. You said you were going to do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. It didn't work. Nothing's nothing's changed. It's all the same. Like all that, like not with that, but just to share, yeah, this is where I've been. This Mm. is what it was. This is what I've let go of. This Mm. is my intention moving forward. Mm. And I would love to be held to that and witnessed in that Mm. by you, which can be a vulnerable thing to do. You know, and that's why I say just nearest and dearest. You only want to bring people into that that you trust and that you know have got your back. Yeah, people are going to vote your victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so that's what I would suggest for that. And then the other thing is um, be willing to build a new community. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. and that's something I work really hard to do is help keep guys connected that come through. Right, um, and you don't want to sever off completely from your old community because mm. then you can just create this new bubble, mm. right? And because you want to integrate it as much mm. as you can, mm. but um, yeah, along the journey because you you don't go through a rite of passage on your own. That's usually done in a group setting. Sometimes it's on your own, but mm. um, often in a group setting, and um, just staying connected with with men that are. Sp- speaking the same language. Yeah. You know, like and yeah. be willing to build those new connections and yeah, that can be a vulnerable thing to do. Mm. To be like, "Hey, do you want to be friends?" <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like once you go through an experience like that, that doesn't even need to be asked because connection is about like depth, not time. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Like, I have guys 3 weeks into a group program mm. feel more connected to the men in the program mm. than for people they've been friends with for 10 years. Yeah. Because time is irrelevant, you know, when we share those experiences, that creates connection. When you say depth is um, more important than time, I really like that. And one of the things I think about that leads to depth is adversity, going through adversity. Yep. Yeah. What else would you say can lead to depth? Like resonance, shared values. For example, like we just met today, but Mm. I feel a depth of connection with you already. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like a shared value or or resonance. Mm. Sometimes you just meet those people and you're like, we're on. Yeah. You know, so yeah, those would be the same things. And then shared vision. 
when there's this feeling of like, oh, yeah, we're wanting to create the same thing, that that co-creation can really create a depth of a depth as well. Mm. Nothing quite does it like adversity though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, yeah. and think about it in terms of your intimate relationship. How many times have you gone through a tough spot in your relationship and it's hard mm. and then you come out the other side and you're like, we are unbreakable. Yeah. You know, it's like there's just something about it. So yeah, doing that and then yeah, I feel like the vision thing, like what are we building? Because if mm. we're building the same thing, mm. it's like so having the courage to share your vision because so many people have similar visions of, of what they want to create for their mm. lifestyles, for their families, for mm. the community, and but just so many people just keep it into their chest, right? So like writing it down and being willing to share that opens mm. up the space for so much connection. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, that adversity thing, man, like <laughs> I've often joked – like if you want to know if your partner is the right person for you for a really long time, do like a long water fast. Oh man, <laughs> when you were saying that, <laughs> that you guys did that together, I was like, wow. This, yeah. Yeah. There's things that Kristen and I went through, which no one on this planet will ever understand, yep. you know, yep. in the depths of, you know, 25 days Four. without food and man. you're just at times holding each other. Yeah. <laughs> physically, yeah. but also emotionally, you know, yeah. as, as you go through the roller coaster of it all. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. We're getting close to our time. I have mm. one more question I'm curious to hear your thoughts on. So there's the rite of passage into manhood. Mm. It's rite of passage into fatherhood. What exists beyond that? What other rites of passage? You know, you talked about some of the work um, done by those guys earlier and what are some of the other rites of passage that we should be prepared for, I guess, to go yeah, through in our lives? great question. So the two that I'll speak to are first a birth and death. Yep. So they're rites of passage mm. that like we were speaking to off air, you know, the birth one definitely has um, in general a lot to be desired in terms of how well we do that mm. as a society and death even more so. Mm. Like we are not good <laughs> at death, <laughs> right? And so those two as the bookends, um, for me, I think warrant the most attention. And then the uh, – and it's different and I don't, I, I'd say it would be different for, for men and women because – women have that biological shift mm. like, in, like into menopause. Yeah. So there's like lots of and, – and guys do as, as well. Their biology changes as they age but it's not as um, – It's like a switch. Pivotal, yeah, yeah. yep. But that – and that's kind of like into that crone or elder mm. energy. And so that would be another one. And I'd, I'd feel like becoming a grandparent I feel like would, would, be, would be one as well. I don't think that's necessarily – a core one that's like acknowledged, mm. but just for me personally, like in what I witnessed in my parents, like I know that was quite a, a significant shift because once you become a parent, your relationship with your parents changes. Yeah. So, so they're going through whatever that is as well. And that's why if we've got anything unprocessed with our parents, it will come up because <laughs> those relationships are shifting. Yeah. So they're the ones I would say that transition into elderhood, which mm. we just, again, don't have. We don't have and we have age phobia mm. in our society, mm. not respect for our elders. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so that one would, would be one that's worth, like, again, preparing for or, or being willing to <clears throat> acknowledge. Mm. But in terms of what age and stuff, like I couldn't really say mm. the specifics mm. on that because because we don't have it in a structured way, it looks so different. So you, I've had 
guys come to retreats that are 40 that are going through their into manhood yep. rite of passage. And, and I don't, it's not um, marketed that way. And I'm not saying this is your transition into manhood, but that's the, <laughs> that's the experience that the they have. Yeah, when they funny. start to connect with that stuff, yep. they're like, whoa, I'm still carrying this boy psychology around wanting my partner to do all this stuff for yeah. me. Holy, sh- like I'm 45 years old. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So it's like the age thing is less relevant, mm. right? It's more like what have you, mm. and that's why you can have, if 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 um, somebody does go through these rite of passages as they're supposed to, you'll speak to a twenty four year old who feels like he carries the wisdom of a forty year old. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it, the age is not completely irrelevant, but it's not the first thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, you say somebody who's well traveled, you know, they have a different resonance because that's like a rite of passage yeah. kind of thing as well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're the main ones that, that don't get looked at, like birth, death, and then that into mm. um, elderhood. As yeah, it's well. more those milestones. Nothing, yeah. not really as much to do with age. Yeah. I really resonate with that. Yeah. I realized even in the last 12 months how often when I meet people, I ask them how old they are. Yeah. And recently I've just been like, I don't need to ask that. Yeah. I don't need to ask yeah. it. It's kind yeah. of irrelevant. You yeah. Know? It's that resonance and, yeah. and, and the, their life experience. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing to do with how old they are. Yeah. You know, I yeah. speak to people who are in their late teens and I'm like, oh, you've got some wisdom. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. 100%. And and when we're open to it, like you said, how you had that experience where ev- everyone was a mirror for you at that mm-hmm. permaculture, that's life. Mm-hmm. You know, often those experiences are a little like pressure cookers kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. But like life is that. Like, we, yeah, when we can be open to it, mm-hmm. there's lessons everywhere. In, in people regardless of age or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. To wrap up, man, for someone going through these these moments in life, and we've kind of already covered them, mm. but um, three things that they can do real quick to just support themselves better. Mm-hmm. The first thing is acknowledge themselves mm-hmm. because they're probably doing a way better job than they realize. Like wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Trust me humaning is hard and you're doing a good job. Like, so that self-acknowledgement is the first one. Acknowledge the other people that are going through it with you. Your partner, you're speaking specifically to, to fatherhood, parenthood, your partner's doing a really, really good job as well. And sometimes when you're in it, you know, there can be resentments or judgments coming up, but just take a step back, acknowledge them and see what happens. Things will, things will get better. Um, and then the last one, which has been a bit of a theme, you know, you get, ask yourself the question, what support would I need to thrive? And sometimes when you're in the depths of a challenge, the thought of thriving feels like it can be far away, you know, but that's what like my podcast is called Thriving in Fatherhood and it's not that I think I'm, I'm doing it all the time, but that's the direction we're heading. And if we want to head there, what support do I need? On, on all levels and let that question guide decisions that you make. Beautiful. Tully, if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Instagram, I'm at Tully O'Connor. Um, my website is tullyoconnor.com and I've got the Thriving in Fatherhood podcast. So that's on Apple, Spotify, all of that. Check that podcast out. Yeah. <laughs> there is some good stuff on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been mm, an absolute thanks pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. I've really enjoyed this this mm. conversation. I'm super excited for you. The next couple of months are going to be, yeah, magic. 
Thanks, brother. Yeah, mm. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Cheers, man. Cheers, dude. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes.